0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton Podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thousands of students in Hamilton head back to the classroom. Is our education system in need of change? We have some tips from police on staying safe in school zones. We recap a wild Labor Day weekend in the CFL with Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. And the Ticats did not have a classic performance on Labor Day. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: So, what do parents and kids need to know as the new school year begins? Well, let's bring in our next guest. She's the chair of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board, the local public board here in Hamilton, Don Danko. Don, good morning. How are you?
2: Good morning, Rick. I'm well. How are you doing? I'm
0: good. Is this a day you're looking forward
2: to? Absolutely, particularly this year more than any other. Um, You know, welcoming your students and staff back to school in person in more normal times. Um, it, it's really exciting, uh, and I will mention that I grew up with a father who said "Wakey, wakey" every <laughs> <that> morning.
0: <laughs> Sorry to bring back bad memories.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I'm not a morning person, but uh, I'll be going up to, to do the same to my kids shortly.
0: <laughs> What's your message to students this year?
2: For students, it's really come back to our schools, figure out how to get involved because. We're going to have extracurriculars from the from the get-go. We've already seen at a, many of our schools on their websites, um, especially for high schools that get started with sports early, that they, they posted notices about that. So it's going to be important for students to be thinking about, what do I want to do this year? Um, not just the classroom work, but the, what happens outside of the classroom because those opportunities are back.
0: Is, is that a bit of relief, although with an ounce of trepidation knowing that who knows when the next wave is coming and how bad it's going to be
2: that That is a fact, right? we We do need to be prepared for any possibility. But it sounds to me that everyone is really committed to having um, um the most normal year possible for our students there There seems to be a really strong commitment from the province uh, from our health officials, including the chief medical officer of health, that we we've asked our students to bear the brunt of a lot of the, the strategies and, and things that we've done over the pandemic and we're not going to be doing that again um, there's a plan to not have transitions this year we may have to see things like a return to measures like masking in schools um, but but there really is a commitment to, to make sure that our students actually can focus on their mental health and well-being they can focus on learning and achievement and that means they need to be in
0: school are there still some students who will be able to uh, learn remotely?
2: Yes, so we did have an opportunity for students and families to register remotely in the spring. And there's actually an opportunity right now. Um, Many families wanted to maybe register remotely and then see what happened over the summer. Um, They may be in a position where they want to switch back in person, and they can actually do that whether you're going from remote to in-person or in-person to remote this week. So until September 7th, there's a form you can fill out or contact your school. That change would happen in October, but it is a commitment for the entire year. I believe we've got about 120 students that are registered so far in remote for this year, so much lower numbers than we've seen in previous years.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CHML is Don Danko, the chair of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board, as we continue our discussion about back-to-school. There is another wrinkle in this back-to-school scenario and that is uh, the ongoing uh, teacher contract negotiations with the provincial government. Are you hopeful there will be no disruptions? What's your sense of how it's going?
2: Again, I'm I'm going into the year in a hopeful stance. Um, we are seeing that uh, you know some of the talks with our, our union group CUPE which that includes uh, some of our caretakers and uh, depending on the board it includes office care staff or office staff as well those, those seem to be happening quite uh, frequently in the media where we're hearing, you know, what are the offers, uh, where are the parties, are they close together or apart. It doesn't sound like they're, they're hitting a point where they're close together, but it is early stages. Um, so I'm going in with a, a sense of hope because, again, we have heard a commitment from the government that they do not want to see any transitions for students. And, of course, strike action would lead to a potential, a potential time where students are not in the classroom. And that's the last thing any of us want. But, of course, we do want a fair deal. Our workers are very valued. They've been frontline workers for the past two and a half years. We've asked a lot of them. And they've had their wages um, capped at a 1% increase. And we know what inflation's doing right now. So we, will, we want a fair deal for our, uh, all of our education workers. And we're hopeful that the government will we'll come to the table um, with that in mind.
0: Pardon the pun, but another bump in the road uh, has to deal with bus drivers. And uh, again, not enough of them are behind the wheel this fall. And this is nothing new, but what should students and parents know about this?
2: Well, any fall students and families should be prepared for possible delays because we do have new drivers getting used to new routes. and, And there's always a bit of learning that happens there. But we do have Uh, transportation planners or operators working very hard to minimize any delays and as you indicated um, it has been an ongoing issue for the entire time i've been a trustee actually of bus driver shortages We do continue to face some shortages, but we've done a lot of work uh, between our board and our coterminous board uh, to reduce the number of routes that we require. So we did do an expensive bell time study and and adjusted bell times, but we are about 25 drivers short. That doesn't include spares that we would have to cover. So those are permanent drivers, and we do have drivers in training, and our our transportation providers are working hard to, to address that that gap so families really just need to make sure that they've uh, subscribed for uh, updates whether there's cancellations or delays Uh, we don't expect any cancellations which is really great news other boards have experienced those and and again just make sure that they're subscribing to any communication from the transportation consortium so that they can be prepared for any any um bumps in the road as you mentioned this week
0: Don, thank you for your time today. Best of luck on day one and uh, going forward throughout this school year. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Rick. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: It's not just preschool and elementary school and high school students who are heading back to class today and this week. Uh, Students at Mohawk College, McMaster University, other post-secondary institutions here, there, and everywhere are heading back into the classroom. And here to talk about it is Katie Burroughs, the Vice President of Students, International, and Alumni at Mohawk College. Katie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Is this an exciting day for you? Oh, it is always an
3: exciting time of the year, but it's especially exciting this year because we're actually welcoming so many students back to campus for the first time pretty much since January 2020. So we are very excited.
0: I can imagine. What preparations have been made for the, the normal influx of students?
3: Well, I think it's kind of dusting off some of the things that we've done before, Uh, but we also kind of reinvented our entire orientation program, and it was for both new and returning students, recognizing that many returning students didn't have the chance to come to campus uh, during the, the pandemic. So we had a whole welcome week last week, which included fun and games with our Mohawk Students Association. It included, you know, things like learning how to study at college, learning how to budget. Um, learning about their program and meeting some of their faculty members. And then this week, we also have our program launch and our and our career launch. So really getting students back into the, thing, the the swing of things.
0: You said you were dusting off some of the old things that uh, were in effect previously. Is there anything new that students have to be aware of?
3: Well, it'll be extended to be back on campus. Um, all of our, our health restrictions have been uh, suspended at the moment. So it really is coming back onto campus uh, and having a great time.
0: For international students, I know, obviously, during the pandemic, many of them were, uh, you know, uh, in their home country and they they couldn't come to Canada to learn, obviously, because of whether it was COVID or travel restrictions Mm -hmm. or the combination of both. Is that a back to normal scenario, Mohawk? Uh, well, we're
3: so excited to be welcoming um, nearly 4,000 international students uh, over all of our campuses um, in Hamilton. Um, so a lot of our international students were studying from their home country, so being able to welcome them actually to Hamilton so they can actually join a Canadian classroom, which is really exciting. Um, it's, of course, been um, a, a bit uh, up in the air in terms of how many students would be able to get here with this the visa processing times being a little slower than they have been. But we have seen the campus kind of come to life in the last little bit with international students joining uh, the campus
0: that's great to hear katie Burroughs is our guest vice president students international and alumni at mohawk college as we talk about back to school for those uh students in post-secondary education is remote learning still a thing still an option
3: well, our continuing education programs—a lot of those are have been virtual before the program, before the uh, pandemic—and continue. Um, a lot of our programs are now in a bit of a hybrid format, so students can come to campus for labs and all of our our experiential learning, um, all of our work integrated learning things like that. But some of the lectures are also um, on online, so there is a bit more flexibility. We're really trying to make sure that we're meeting students where they're at when it comes to both their education and also the services and supports that we offer. So when it comes to counseling, financial assistance, um, accessible learning services, um, student advising, we're trying to be able to do those both in an in-person format as well as um, of either virtually or over the phone. Um, we've noticed over the course of the pandemic that students have really enjoyed the phone interviews and the, the phone meetings so we've been focusing on that as well.
0: Are there any, and I know the colleges and universities have their bread-and-butter subjects or topics that they're going to teach, is there anything new at Mohawk that students can apply for?
3: Actually, it's a great point. Yes, we while classes start tomorrow, we actually will continue to welcome students um, between now and the the end of the 10th day of class, which is September 20th. So if there is something that you've been thinking about studying over the last little bit, if you were thinking about coming to Mohawk and now feel like it's the right time to do that, please come to campus. We're welcoming uh, people with an accelerated um, admissions um, cycle. Uh, There's a number of programs that you could still join, uh, and we would be happy to have you um, join. That would be great.
0: How many students are on campus these days?
3: Well, we're happy to say that um, as of this term, we are getting much, much closer to um, pre-pandemic levels. We should have at all of our campuses, which is, of course, the Fennel campus or Stony Creek campus or airport campus and our campus that we share with McMaster, around 13,000 to
0: 13,500 students. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, in terms of extracurriculars, we know that that's a thing in the elementary high school level. Is that uh, back at full bore at the post-secondary level as well?
3: Absolutely. We're excited to have students back with um, our varsity uh, sports, with our uh, co-curricular sports, with our intramural sports. Um, And our Mohawk Student Association offers a number of clubs and activities. So if you are a Mohawk student and you are interested in participating outside of the classroom, please come and see our Mohawk Students Association. They have many, many things you can take part in.
0: Great to hear that things are pretty much back to normal at Mohawk and many other schools across the province. Katie, thanks for the time today and good luck on day one. Thank you so much for having me. That's Kitty Burroughs, Vice President, Students, International, and Alumni at Mohawk College. Uh, a great package of programs and subjects that you can dive into from a post-secondary uh, institution. I can speak from experience not attending Mohawk, but my daughter did, and she had a phenomenal time, and that was during the pandemic. I can only imagine, you know, quote-unquote post-pandemic, even though we're still in it, that it's going to be even more robust and um, exciting for students who are going back into the Walls i have mohawk and mcmaster as well
1: you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml
0: speaking of school are we doing it to the absolute max do we have the education system in this province firing on all cylinders what is the state of our education system and, and what kind of improvements or tweaks are much needed Annie Kidder. This is her bread and butter, Executive Director of the People for Education, joining us on Good Morning Hamilton. Annie, good morning. How are you today?
4: Good morning. I, I am fine. I'm filled with the, you know, the spirit of back to school.
0: Excellent. Before we dive into what's wrong with the system and how we can improve it, did you have a favorite and least favorite subject in school?
4: Oh, I, you know, probably lunch, I, I think. <laughs> um,
0: you're not, you're I not the first to- one to say that.
4: I went to school a very long time ago. I liked, you know, the the classes where you got to talk a lot. Uh, You know, That's still my favorite thing, where you got to sort of connect the dots between different things going on in the world. Uh, You know, where it was part of, like, you know, figuring out how to have opinions. Uh, Yeah, so I like those kinds of classes. Well, I'm so old that when I was young, I went to high school. We had a class called Integrated, and it was just Integrated Everything, and it was three hours a day. I loved that class.
0: Wow. So it was an integrated conversation?
4: It was integrate. yeah. So it was history, geography, English, um, you know, all the, I guess all the, you know, social sciences, all mm-hmm. the humanities all mixed into one. So it was a lot about writing and creativity and the world um and you know and i think that's one of the things you know you asked the question what do we need to do differently one of the things people all around the world are saying there needs to be more integration in a way that we don't we don't live in subjects why do we teach in subjects and that we kids might be more excited about you know putting all the all the pieces together
0: yeah that's so so, idea. so why do we teach in subjects why is that all of a sudden the norm over the last number of decades
4: well, I think it, I think it's been the norm for quite a while. I think that that's one of the things. There's a huge transforming education summit happening in uh, in New York at the UN uh, in a couple of weeks, and one of the things being looked at is is trying to understand. You know, we we around the world we have education systems that have looked pretty much the same for the last uh, two hundred years, um, and what do we know about the world now that that would make it Important that we shift um, how we think about education. And one of the things we do know about the world is that it's calling on all of us to be able to uh, pivot a lot. The pandemic certainly did that to be able to, you know, flow through a million different careers or live with really, really rapid change. And that Call you know it, then it's important that we have a broad range of kind of competencies and skills to understand ourselves, other people, working collaboratively things like that so and that that 's not a subject necessarily that thro- flows through uh, all of the learning so there has been a lot of talk about how do you in, how do we integrate subjects and get away from that very very old idea of you know the kind of the three rs and then up from there.
0: When I think of a subject or a, a, a course or a class that needs to change, you know, math comes to mind. Yeah, we need the foundation and the basics, but when it gets to the later years, at least for me and many of the friends that I hung around with was, you know, we're not going to remember this stuff or we're not going to use this stuff. Is there one particular course in school that needs a drastic shift?
4: Well, I think, I think math's a great example, and I think they all do in terms of, you know, that age-old, how will I ever use this in my real life? It's understanding what are the skills that you're using here, and how are you focusing on the skills, as opposed to the memorizing, which, you know, now we have Google for so many things. But how do you face a really complex problem in math and understand what do I need to look at? Uh, how can I, how can I take what I've learned somewhere else and apply it to this math question? How can I take what I know about myself and how I deal with things under stress and go, ah, okay, I need to approach this this way. And I think all subjects should be like that, but it means that you can't, we can't just keep adding more content to curriculum. We actually have to take content away. So that there's time and space for really, really deep learning, um, but also then time and space for understanding how do I learn these other skills uh, that are going to serve me through my life and that are going to make me able to understand the facts that are in front of me, or even more importantly nowadays, understand what's not really a fact at all if we think about what we're inundated with um, through social media. So it's, it's you know, it's rethinking a little bit the the kind of core purpose of education, remembering that uh, of public education. It was, you know, in great part to create um, people who could be citizens, who could be engaged, who could vote, who could, you know, understand their place in their community and definitely know how to read, write, and do math and understand science. There's no question about that. But what are the skills that last Uh, that we need throughout our lives. I think that's what we need to be looking at now.
0: It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this uh, UN Summit on Education. Annie, appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton
1: podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We know, a lot of kids are going to be on sidewalks and in crosswalks, so we have to be extra mindful and extra careful about this uh, new reality that uh, each and every fall comes about. And here to talk about it is Crystal Lee Ernst, constable with Hamilton Police, who joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Crystal Lee, good morning. How are you?
5: Good morning, Rick. Thanks so much for having us this morning. It's an exciting day.
0: Yeah. Do you remember your first day of school or first days of school?
5: Uh, Yes, if I can dial back. I do remember the excitement, uh, the nervousness, the combination of all those emotions, emotions kind of bottled
0: into one. Yeah, were you like me and I had a, a mix of excitement and dread at the same time?
5: <laughs> exactly, exactly. The fear of the unknown and some of the fear of the known with all yeah. the uh, educational journey that you're embarking on that next year. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a combination for sure.
0: Did you have a best or worst subject or most or least favorite subject? Absolutely.
5: I'm a science girl, uh, science and math, and English I dreaded, which is interesting
0: given the role that I'm <laughs> I was about the opposite of you, so <laughs> we we would have made a good team, good, uh, good classmates side-by-side side for sure, helping out each other. W- what is the message from Hamilton Police to students today, to parents, and to motorists?
5: Well, like I said, it's an exciting day for everyone, for... Parents, families, students, teachers, everyone um, who's starting their their journey today. Um, The message from Hamilton Police is just be mindful. Uh, All road users, anyone who's using the road, whether that be by foot, by car, um, on a school bus, any kind of traffic, um, be aware. Our officers are going to be out there focusing on community safety zones, distracted driving, um, school bus violations. And we just want everyone to be mindful. There's going to be an increase in all of those road user traffic. And, and we just want everyone to be alert and be cautious because this is quite a difference. We've had two months of, uh, that decreased traffic and everyone, uh, hits those roadways today mm-hmm. for their, uh, their educational journey,
0: and that message should be extended to students as well, especially some of the younger ones who may forget about you know the rules in terms of crossing the road and all that kind of stuff because they're ultra excited to get their school experience underway again.
5: Exactly, it, it applies to all road users. So you know, the students we're reminding them to be mindful, keep an ear out. If you stop, look, and listen, um, you know, bringing it back to the basics that we learned uh, when we were in school. Um, Make sure that you're looking around for your surroundings, you're stepped back from the curb when you're about to cross and making sure that you're stopped, looked, and
0: listen. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML on this back-to-school edition is Crystal Lee Ernst, constable with Hamilton Police Service, as we talk about back-to-school safety on the roads. This is, as, as we mentioned, an exciting time for kids and parents. It's also a stressful time for some of them as well. Is it a, I don't know if stressful is the word, is it a tense time? Is it a, uh, whatever the word, time for police in terms of um, extra vigilance, extra patrols, extra attention around school zones?
5: Well, Rick, you know, uh, as everyone has embarked change, so change back to school, that's an increase in in the situation. So um, we will adapt to that increased traffic, that increased uh, reinforcement, because there is going to be more road users.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we're running a story in the news today, and I think we did so last week about back to school on social media. And there's an important message regarding Mm -hmm. this as well.
5: Yeah, absolutely, and, and like I've been saying, it's a milestone for all families, and it, it, is, it definitely needs to be celebrated. My message to everyone is keep it simple. This is the first day of school. Please, if, if you are celebrating this on social media, um, like I said, it's a milestone for families and parents. Um, please, the message that I want everyone to, to know is keeping it simple. Don't put your private information out there. Um, you know, just a simple message of first day of school. Don't be don't be showing. You know, if you have a, a school patch on your clothes, make sure that those are are not presented in the photos that are going public. If you are taking a photo in front of your school with your children, um, omit the signage when you're posting those public things. Take those photos, but leave them for just you know those intimate moments for your family. If you're taking it public, keep it simple, simple first day of school message without all of the particulars with regards to the child's favorite sports and age and teacher, you know, less specific stuff displayed so that you can limit the information that everyone is seeing.
0: That is great tips, and that will certainly keep uh, many kids safe in this community. Crystal Lee, really appreciate your time, and uh, good luck on this uh, back-to-school day. Thanks so much for having me. That is Crystal Lee Ernst Constable with Hamilton Police Service as we run down some of the tips for students and parents and motorists. Uh, those who are going to be uh, out and about in our community today in Forest. Uh, traffic's going to be a little bit heavier than normal, or at least that we've been getting used to over the last couple of not- months with uh, parents driving their kids back to school, more school buses on the road. So be mindful, especially in those school zones. We know where they are. We know that uh, we got to get our kids to school in a timely fashion. Let's give ourselves a little extra time to make that happen.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We had, uh, for the most part, a wonderful long weekend in the city of Hamilton. The weather was kind of up and down. Saturday was crazy hot. Sunday, drizzly, gloomy, gray. Certainly that was the case for the Labor Day Classic at Tim Hortons Field. And for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, it was... Not a very classical performance, that is for sure. They ended up losing 28-8 to uh, to the arch-rival Toronto Argonauts. But that was just uh, one of a number of exciting games over the weekend. And here to talk about it is the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi. Mr. Ambrosi, welcome back to the show. How are you?
6: Hey, Rick, I'm fine. Thanks for having, having me on this morning. Happy back-to-school day.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, did you have a favorite subject in school?
6: Recess. I was exceptionally <laughs> strong at recess.
0: <laughs> Straight A's in recess.
6: <laughs> Straight A's in re- oh, and lunch. Oh, it was a big, 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 uh, big success in lunch as well.
0: I'd imagine Fizz Ed was at the top of the list too.
6: Absolutely. Yeah. No. I. I did okay. I got. I became a better student later. Later in my academic career, but uh, I got to certainly have a lot of fond memories of uh, going to school as a as a young person back in Winnipeg with my brothers.
0: A lot of fun memories about uh, labor days from years past and not too exciting from a Tycat perspective in the Labor Day classic. When when you're focused on Labor Day as a commissioner at the as as the leader of this league, what's your mentality revolving around Labor Day?
6: Well, you know, I think it just starts by, you know, kind of recognizing how important it is. You know, it has been the informal launch to um you know towards the great Cup and it's it's always played such a big part in um, in our league success and this weekend you know did us proud you know we had a we had a good game in Montreal on Friday and Ottawa got it a, got a much- needed win uh, of course uh, the game in Saskatchewan sell out crowd and and I was there uh, it was electric just how how exciting and and passionate it was and it turned out to be a great game and ended uh, you know ended with Winnipeg. Uh, pulling it out right at the end. And then yesterday, uh, the biggest the biggest crowd in Tim Horton's history, I understand. And while disappointing for the Thai Cats, this is a this is an organization that's uh, – th- these are winners. And, you know, they'll figure it out. It's uh, I know I've, I've got to be a little frustrating for Coach Steinhauer and his crew, but I'm confident they'll figure it out. And then we had a huge crowd in Calgary for what turned out to be a good game. So, you know, it did for us what we always want Labor Day to do is kind of – Really, you know, supercharge the uh, supercharge the league, and get us ready now for the sprint towards uh, playoffs and ultimately the Grey Cup.
0: As a player, you had a lot of Labor Day experience as well. You're an Argonaut in in '87-'88. You had a taste of the the Alberta Labor Day Classic between Calgary and Edmonton. Is there a a game or a moment that sticks out to you as a a memorable uh, occurrence in any of those games?
6: Well, you know, Rick, you'll always. You know, you remember that first one. I remember my first Labor Day game, uh, you know, in uh, 1985 uh, in Calgary against Edmonton, and we didn't fare very well. But, but even then, you know, as a young player, you certainly knew how important Labor Day was. So I remember that so vividly. I remember, uh, I remember Mike Walker and Grover Covington roughing me up pretty good <laughs> back at Iverwind Wind Stadium, uh, and I I got a chance to see Michael uh, when his during his induction. Uh, this year to the Hall of Fame, and we we had a lot of laughs about those battles we had together. And Michael's such a remarkable man, and but I remember those games so so well. And my one of my dearest friends, Dan Ferone, and I often reflect on playing against you know Mike and and Grover and how tough they were. Um, and then of course back to uh, back to Edmonton, my last five seasons, you know five five uh, Labor Day games. Uh, With the, you know, with the, with the Eskimos, you know, going down to Calgary. You know what, Rick, I, I, if I go, I could do an hour and a half show just on memories from those games alone, but they were all pretty special.
0: Did you play in the 88 game with uh, Earl Winfield on the other side? That 400 yard game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
6: know what? (laughs) Yeah, again.
0: Sorry to bring that up.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Boy, you really know how to make a guy feel welcome, don't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you know what? I mean, it was a tough, uh, it was always tough to come here. And it's been tough for Toronto to come here. Look, uh, until yesterday, uh, the Argos hadn't had a win uh, uh, on Labor Day at Tim Hortons Field. You know, the the um, the Thai Cats play very tough at home, always. And they played uh, traditionally very, very, you know, they're very tough uh came to beat on Labor Day at home. But you know, yesterday was I think a blow on the radar for the Ty Cats and I expect that Scott Mitchell and his crew will get them back on track and Coach Steinhauer will uh, will get this thing heading in the right direction.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CHML is the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi. A lot of the fans pointing to the imbalance between the East and the West divisions again. It, it, are, are years like this, does it add any more fuel to the fire of having a one-division format, or is that or is that never going to happen?
6: I don't know that it. I I think the word "never" is uh, is a bit dangerous because you know you don't know what the future holds. But look, I just think this is one of those times where you know there it cycles, and this happens to be a cycle right now where the West is uh, is winning more games. But but if you go back, Rick, a little and look a little deeper, you'll see just how many of our games have been exceptionally close. Uh, You know, sixty plus percent of our games this year have been decided in the last three minutes of the game. So, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of competitive balance in our league. Uh, so far, the West has fared better in the East-West games than, um, you know, than the East has fared. But I don't think that tells the entire story. I think this year we got a lot of balance in, in talent. The teams are performing very well. And, you know, we had some great, great games this weekend, as we have had you know, since the season started in June. And, and I think, you know, again, here's the thing. Uh, I go back to 1989, Rick, and I was in Edmonton. We were 16-2, and two, and we lost to a 9-9 nine and nine, uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders team in the Western Final, and they went on to win the Grey Cup. And so, you know, the regular season is really important, but what the regular season is important for is getting into, you know, is getting into the dance because once you get into the playoffs, anyone can win, and this league has proven that time and again that all you have to do is get to the playoffs, and then and then uh, it's anyone's it's anyone's great Cup to win.
0: Unfortunately, we only have 30 seconds to discuss this, but are are we any closer to a 10th team in the league?
6: You know, we are working tirelessly. Uh, we put together a uh, a committee at the board. We've hired an external expert. We've been in constant contact since this amazing touchdown Atlantic we had in Wolfville this year with leaders in the community. We're talking to political leaders. I just think there's, this, is a, this is a time when we have a lot of momentum. We really do need to get it done. We need that 10th team. We need that East-West balance 5-5. Five and five, And we need a fifth game on the Labor Day weekend. Hopefully one day you and I will have this chance to do this show and talk about the Coast Bowl and how exciting it was.
0: That would be phenomenal. Commissioner Ambrose, thanks for the time today. Good luck the rest of the way here in this 2022 campaign.
6: Rick, it's always a pleasure and best wishes to you and all of your listeners, and uh, And uh, look forward to talking with you again sometime soon.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: I feel so sorry for the fans down there. I was going to drive down this route to a game. I've never seen the stadium from Ottawa. I wouldn't waste the gas to go down there. But the 25,000 people who paid tickets to go to that game today, I feel so sorry for the dedicated fans in Hamilton. It's it's atrocious. That is Ticats fan Allen from Ottawa. He was the fan of the night on CHML's fifth quarter yesterday after the Labor Day debacle at Tim Hortons Field. It was the 51st meeting between the Tiger Cats and the Argonauts on Labor Day. And, well, for Hamilton football fans, it was not a fun outing. I mean the tailgating was great. The camaraderie was awesome. The game? Mm, not so much. Toronto taking the boots to the Tiger Cats 28 to 8. It was 8-8 at halftime. Argos outscored the Tiger Cats 20 to zip in the second half. I mean, more of the same from this Tiger Cats team when it comes to quarters 3 and 4. They have been grossly outscored and outplayed. And they find themselves with a record of three wins and nine losses. I would have never guessed that after 12 games, this team would have three wins and would be in last in the CFL. Now, there are a number of factors why. First and foremost, not playing well. They have not played exceptionally well or just well this season. Yeah, there's been some flashes here and there. Some good effort. Some good games, but more often than not, it has been a lackluster result time and time again. And so fans, like Alan that you just heard from, are upset. They want to see some change because they're seeing the team not progressing. It's regressing. They've lost three in a row. They just lost to their arch rivals three out of the four times this year. It's not looking good in Ticats land. Not nearly good enough yesterday for sure. Joining us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900-CHML is John Salavandis, analyst with the Ticats Audio Network, and he joins us now. Sal, good morning. How are you?
7: Hey, good morning, Rick. I'm fine. Uh, You know, listening to your fifth quarter last night, I could feel that frustration coming through the phone.
0: Yeah, that was, you know, listen, with with a third-string quarterback starting the game for the Tiger Cats, I think, you know, our expectations were a little tempered because you know he's he's not dane evans he's not matthew schultz here's a guy making his first cfl start but did you expect just a little bit more from jamie newman and the offense yesterday
7: i I honestly you have to believe that uh everyone expected more than what we saw i mean you you uh you got a ball game in which your offense does not score a point uh you know that that's so disappointing and uh you know, the, the only thing you can say about that is that uh, if you're on the squad and you're a backup, you're expected to be uh, a competent player. Uh, I think uh, Newman was like 14 of 25 uh, passing, 170 yards, but uh, I think he threw two balls over 20 yards or 15 yards, and that was about it. I mean, you can't win a ball game uh, running your quarterback uh, on draw plays.
0: The uh, Tiger Cats inserted their fourth stringer, Jalen Morton, in the second half for a few plays, including one on a third and one from about, I think it was their 27, 28-yard line. He didn't convert that with about 11 minutes to go. It was a three-point ball game. If head coach Orlando Steinauer was going to do that again, I'm sure he would have punted the ball.
7: Well... Rick, my question on that is why would you not put Newman yeah. back in the ball game on that uh, third and one uh, on your own end of the field? I mean, Newman is the quarterback sneak uh, player for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Even though Morton's in the game, if it was Schultz in the game or Evans in the game, Newman would have come in to run that play. And I think that was the error that they made.
0: Yeah, that was a puzzling one. John Salavanis is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. As we recap yesterday's Labor Day game between the Ticats and Argos, Toronto winning 28-8. to Sal is an analyst with the Ticats Audio Network. Sal, you're a longtime offensive line coach with the Ticats, and when things are not going well, the fans are always like, hey, let's fire this guy or get rid of that guy. How much of that talk goes on between coaches during the season?
7: Uh, between coaches, Rick, none of it goes on i mean the 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 uh, coaches work as a unit as a group, and uh, they make decisions based on uh, the best input from each of the areas so the offensive line coach has his input into what the uh, offense should be doing or or can do and uh, what they should stay away from so You know, I really don't think that uh, making changes is um, the answer to uh, what problems Hamilton has right now.
0: Let's give some Ticats fans a little bit of hope. Is there hope for the playoffs still?
7: Well, there's always hope for the playoffs. You know, the the way things go in the Eastern Division, especially this year, uh, there's an opportunity to make the playoffs, but they've got to do something quick. Uh, If in fact uh, you know they want to make those playoffs, so you know Rick, I I just I hold out hope, and I and I think with a week off uh, before they have to play against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who've already clinched a spot in that uh, playoff uh, picture, I I think uh, they've got to make some adjustments, and they've got to maybe bring in an experienced quarterback if they can find one.
0: We shall see. We're crossing our fingers, we're crossing our toes, and we're hoping like heck that that uh, becomes a reality. Coach Sal, thanks for the time today, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road.
7: All right, Rick. Thank you. Have yep. a good day.
0: YouTube, John Salavanis, analyst with the Ty Cats Audio Network. Cats on the bye week. They will next face the league-leading 11-1 and Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the two-time defending champs, on September the 17th.